Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend Dick Foth with us back for a session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we'll jump into our interview with Joanna Weaver on her new book, Embracing Trust. Dick, so good to have you back on the podcast. Thanks a million. I'm always delighted to be here and to be on the same podcast with Joanna Weaver, who's a who I might know and, and is a dear friend of our daughter, Susanna. Yeah. That's that's a double good deal for me. <laughs> good deal. <laughs> yeah, got two questions for you today. Um, the first one is missionary life uh, involves a lot of moving, and I have had trouble finding a community. What has worked for you as you've transitioned from place to place? You know, I've, I've never had that question asked before, and it's interesting because I'm, you know, I'm decades away from actually being, quote, an active missionary kid, but yeah. you never stop being a missionary kid. And uh, so I just detailed since <laughs> the age of three, spent four years in South India, one year in Los Angeles, one year in Springfield, Missouri, 13 years in Oakland, California, two years in Wheaton, Illinois, 16 months in Modesto, California, 11 years in Urbana, Illinois. 14 years in Santa Cruz, California, 15 years in Washington, D.C., and now 14 years in Northern Colorado. I need, I have trouble holding a position. <laughs> <laughs> so I just had this, this one thought, and the emphasis is on one. Instead of trying to create a whole lot of relationships when you move, find one. Hmm. One specific relationship. Uh, you say, how do you do that? Well, first of all, there will possibly, likely in these days, be one community of believers or some community. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not a church community for starters. Maybe it's some uh, interest that you have. It could every, be everything from quilting to bike riding to book club, whatever it is. But instead of trying to create create a community of six or seven, if you just connected with one person, hmm. that's a start. Uh, how about going to one grocery store? So hmm. that mom and pop store or whatever store it is, yeah. they get to know your face. They get to know who you are. Hmm. And what starts as a, as a sort of a superficial or introductory relationship can grow. Or I have a friend who has spent a lot of time in a state. He's, he's over a church organization. But I always go to the same little restaurant and I get mm. to be known and mm. people start connecting with me because I'm in that booth at that restaurant at that time. You become, here's the point. If you become uh, recognizable, yeah. then the chances of community grow. I, I, uh, I always, also like this thought. I don't know what age that the person was, was asking this question, but in most places, if you have a small child, Mm -hmm. or you have a dog mm. and you go walking with them. It's amazing what connections can happen. Wow. That's it. Yeah. Good word. Good word. So, so we all need to get a dog or a small child, even if they're not ours, huh? Yeah. Small children are over except for great grands for us. But and <laughs> Ruth, Ruth said no dogs until I stopped traveling a bit. Wow. Well, <laughs> I don't see you stop traveling anytime soon. So probably that's probably out of the question. So anyway, Second question, uh, different listener. Um, you have mission, you have mentioned on po past podcast your friendships. How have you not let different theological convictions limit your friendships? I think the key is to start with what you have in common, not what you have that's different. 
Hmm. And when we went to Washington, D.C., and I was thrown into a melting pot of traditions and belief systems and political opinions, somebody said, in order to work here, you have to suspend your categories. Hmm. And what, what happens with categories is that I make them a lot of times when I'm younger, and as I age, I get hardening of the category. Hmm. That, that's not my line, but I like that line. <laughs> and so if, if we understand, and you know this thesis that I have, that everyone is a walking book. Everyone has a personal story. There's a reason they came to believe such and such. But if you don't start, if you choose not to start with what's different about us, uh, then you, start, you can ask about someone's story. Tell me about your grandparents. Tell me about your parents or your upbringing or your siblings or what you did for fun as a kid or your skill or some moments in your life mm. that really change things. It's, and, and the other side of this is, so let's say that, that I'm, the, I'm a strong believer in the first church of what's happening now, and I and I'm, might meet somebody who's in the second church of what's going on there. Uh, it's precisely <laughs> in the differences that we find learning and growth. Hmm. Don't stay away from differences. Hmm. If I could tell just a quick story. Very yeah. Quickly. Uh, um, a lady came to me and I was a young church pastor. We'd been there probably a couple hundred folks in the congregation. She asked me this question. I said, Pastor Dick, why don't we have communion every Sunday? And I gave her the standard line. Well, that's, that's like not the way our tradition does. Uh, whatever it was I was saying. <laughs> and, 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 and she was pretty intense about it. Not mad, but just, yeah. I said, why do you? Why are you asking me this? She said, well, I, because, and she came from a different background where you had communion every Sunday. And she, and she said, and her eyes welled up because I need it. Hmm. I had never thought about communion in terms of need. Hmm. I'd always thought about it in terms of command. Hmm. And um, so, and, and don't, don't start with a, with somebody's system uh, as a as a lens hmm. through which you see them, start with learning as a lens. Wow, that's good. That's good. Always gold. And uh, enjoy enjoy our time together on Back Channel, Dick. We're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with uh, Joanna Weaver on her new book, Embracing Trust. Uh, just a book I enjoyed so much, and uh, lots of highlights and lots of notes. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend of the podcast, Joanna Weaver, back with us today. Joanna, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, it's a joy to be with you, Aaron. Thank you. Joanna, if some of those who had not listened to our first um, time we spent some time together, could you just go and share, share a little bit about yourself? You bet. You bet. Well, I was raised in a grace-filled home and a grace-filled church and feel kind of like I met Jesus when I was born, because my parents just have a vibrant relationship with the Lord. Um, about 13 years of age, God said, I want all of you. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I want more than just your heart. I want you. And so I went in all in with Jesus and everything changed. Uh, at What would it be? 14 or no, 15, uh, God called me to full-time ministry. 
Yeah. And uh, and actually gave me a vision of who I was going to marry. Hmm. Unfortunately, he didn't give John a vision. <laughs> 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 and so really that was that first moment um, beyond going all in, which was huge. But where God was just saying, will you trust me? You know, that even if John doesn't come to his senses, that I still have good things for you. And it really, I think, was a catalyst to that deeper faith, deeper trust in this God who knows how to take care of us. Well, long story short, God brought him revelation and he, and you know, he, he got back in God's will and married me. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, at 19 years of age, I became a youth pastor's wife, so called to the ministry, loved the ministry, and yet that drivenness to do something big for Jesus. And God, in His mercy, confounded me every step of the way. But I can honestly say I'm so grateful that God didn't give me what I wanted, Hmm. but He really gave me what I needed. And it has been a beautiful journey. Now, oh my goodness, 41 years this September, we've been in full-time ministry, um, live in Montana, Joanna from Montana, and um, yeah. So that's a, that's a snapshot. Exciting. And today we're going to be talking about your newest book, um, Embracing Trust, The Art of Letting Go and Holding On to a Forever Faithful God. Um, what a what a title. And uh, as I shared, and I when I emailed you, my wife brought it back from the summer. She brought the book back and uh, we dove into it. And um, it's been it's been a great encouragement to us. I'm so, so excited to spend some time with you today and and uh, just ask you some questions about it. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be with you. I love your ministry. I love missionaries. I, I'm just so grateful that we're part of this incredible family of God. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, let's jump in. So uh, one of the, the first things that I wanted to ask you about is I appreciated um, the practicality of the book. You know, there's the Bible study at the end, um, but all throughout there's just some very practical take-home bullet points. I, I would call them bullet points that just highlight and... Um, things that made me ponder. And one of those was um, 10 signs you may have trust issues. Um, and I wanted to ask you about two of those. The first one was um, you remain in the driver's seat. Could you just share about maybe how that lets us know maybe that we have a trust issue if we're remaining in the driver's seat? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's probably as many trust issues as there are people But I do think that we all, whether we realize it or not, really struggle with this need to control. And that goes back to the garden. That was the first temptation that Satan brought to Adam and Eve was, you know, did God really say? And and does he really have your best interests in mind? If you eat of this tree, then you'll be in control. And I think he loves to use that same lie to all of us, you know, where it's kind of like, well, you know, you, like I said, you give God part of your heart, but you remain in the driver's seat. And so coming to the end of ourselves and and really discovering that we have this trustworthy God that can be entrusted with our heart, I think is so important. Some of us, the tr- control issues don't show up until... Uh, perhaps our children are in trouble and, and we're trying to control them or we're trying to control our spouse. You know, for me, the control issues really first came with my desperate need to be a success in ministry where um, where I, I felt like we were supposed to do 
big things for God. And I was married to this man who has this servant's heart. And I would come up with these big dreams and, and he'd say, well, let's pray about it. And I would think, pray Shmei, you know, people are dying, go to hell. And I've got to make something happen. Because there was with one part of my heart, this pure desire to serve God. But with the other part, I needed to be a success, hmm. to feel like I had worth. And so um, this need to control, I think, can show up in uh, in so many ways in our lives. Wow. Wow. Now, the second one, um, it's actually number four. Um, you limit God by your limitations. Can you just unpack that one for us a little bit? I think if any of the signs show up in my life, this is the one that shows up more often than in other. Um, sometimes it shows up in my prayers. You know, I, I'm willing to believe God for what I can conceive, you know, what, what seems practical, what seems reasonable in my mind or, or with the, what's within my resources. But I think the thing that really undermines my trust is when I'm in the middle of something I know the Lord has called me to do, but I feel so inadequate. Or I feel like I just fail and fail and fail. And really, this whole writing this book was kind of an exercise in this particular trust issue because, um, I, you know, after wanting to write it for over 20 years, I thought it would be the easiest book I've ever written. And yet, what was supposed to be a one-year writing process turned into three years and actually four years if you count the proposal. And I just felt like, oh God, I must be missing it and I must be messing it up. But the Lord met me in the process in so many powerful, life-changing ways. And, and I just realized He knows our frame. He's not limited by our limitations. And I could almost imagine Him up in heaven saying, we want Joanna to have a book to come out in August 2022. <laughs> So we'll put it on her heart and release her to write in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 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 wow. And you could tell throughout the book, honestly, the it's packed with your citations and the research that you've done. It's evident that this was not a book that was written in 10 days or, you know, I mean, or, or even three months. It, you can see, as I read through it again um, this afternoon, just the, the, the intentionality of it. And uh, yeah, just read, I was reading today, going back through all the, your, your work cited in the back. And um, it was, it's a significant, a significant effort. And it just highlights the, the intentionality of it all. So loved it, loved it, loved it very much. Next question I have well, for you. you. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, thank you for that. You know, it really was my prayer that yeah. it wouldn't be a light, fluffy book, you know, another Christian Band-Aid, you know, just trust God. Because, um, you know, we know that for other people, but it's hard to do it for ourselves. And so sure. just been asking God to help me build a platform of faith, because yeah. really, there's a beautiful logic to trusting God. Mm. And especially for us as His ministers, as yeah. missionaries, as pastors, there, you know, I really believe God wants to give us a revelation of His faithfulness. I thinking that trusting God was something I had to work up. Hmm. But in the course of writing this book, I realized if I can just see God as yeah. He truly is and who He wants to be to me and just partner with Him in that, it's not working up faith in my faith. It's holding on to the faithfulness of God. And wow. it's, you know, it's transforming my life. And I just pray it helps others as well. 
Yeah, no, that's it's excellent. That kind of segues into my next question for you: holes in our faith. Um, what are what are some reasons it's it's vital to examine lies below the surface of our faith? Yeah, you know, I I've really been thinking about this a lot, and and even you know just praying over it because I fear at times we present an incomplete theology. You know, um, I'm so grateful to to be raised in a tradition that believes in the miraculous power of God. But have we have we really presented the gospel in its fullness where, you know, we are no longer under the the old covenant that if then, you know, that if you obey me, then you'll experience tons of blessings. No, we we couldn't even do that one. Sure. You know, sure. God's blessings wasn't enough. So you come to the New Testament and and yes, while Jesus did miracles, you know, every single one of the disciples were martyred. They or except John, you know, they had to die for That's their true. faith. And are we presenting a gospel that is complete enough that our our faith isn't shaken in times of shaking? Because like Hebrews says, you know, God allows shaking so that the unshakable will remain. And so I I think we've got to go, okay, this time, this um, this tragedy, this trauma, this injustice, what is it revealing about the quality of my foundation? Hmm. And and I think we have to go back and just say, Lord, would you fill in the holes in my faith? Those places where maybe I'm holding you at a distance because I'm really disappointed. I believed you for something and you didn't come through. I, 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 you've got these promises in your word that that I believe your promises and yet I am, I'm not experiencing success. I'm experiencing failure. How can that measure up, especially to our Westernized view of Christianity? And so, um, you know, I don't. I think every one of us have perhaps have different holes, but those are some of the holes that I've had to consider is, wait a minute, I need a complete theology. I need the theology of miracles, but I need also the theology of suffering, that God works in it all. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Challenging word, for sure. And uh, yeah, it it was challenging to me. You you talk about some faith-building exercises. um, That's another one of the things that I really appreciated about the book, just the practicalities of it. And you talked about some faith-building exercises. Um, how have you applied some of those in your life or there's one or two that maybe you just want to share a little bit about? You bet. Well, I think probably the most powerful thing is to realize again, that it's not us working up faith, you know, faith in, and to the point where it's almost like we, we have faith in an outcome that we really don't have faith in God. And so I, I've just learned to, to pray the prayer of Mark 9, 24, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief because there are things that come. You know, one day I can wake up and be a faith-filled, mighty woman of God. <laughs> and the next day I'm fogged in with doubt and despair. And I wonder if the Lord has forgotten me. And so I've just been asking the Lord again to go fill in those holes in my faith. But I think practicing trusting Him in little things. Sometimes I think we, we, we're we trying to trust Him in the big things, and because we haven't built up a history with the Lord, then it's really hard to believe Him for the big things. But to realize that He he cares about the small stuff, and, and if we'll bring it all to Him, you know, a lot of the theme of the book is Proverbs 3, 5 and through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. And so inviting Him into that everyday life, you know, there was 
one little story I didn't put in the book that I was a young pastor's wife. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money, but I had this dream of, you know, really we bought a, a, a fixer upper. And so I wanted to furnish it. And I wanted this cherry wood cocktail table, coffee table. And uh, so I went and I looked at the furniture stores and they were so expensive, like $200 on sale, which was a lot of money at the time. And um, so I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make that happen. And as I walked out the door of that store, I felt the Holy Spirit just whisper to my heart. I've never heard the audible voice of God, just that impression that we learned to recognize as His voice. And He said, just wait, just wait. Well, Later that week, a friend calls. She goes, the people I clean for are having a huge, uh, giant garage sale, and I think there's some stuff you might like. Wow. I go, and there's a, cha- a better quality coffee yeah. table in better shape than the floor model for 25 <laughs> bucks. Wow. For 25 bucks. Yeah. And I wonder how many times we miss the miracle. We miss those God kisses in, in the little things as well as the big things. Because we're so busy meeting our own needs according to our riches and glory that we never have to tap into His. Wow. That's, you know, I, it brings back to a quick story. We were young, newly married couple. We were in Florida and they were having their missions week. And I had been thinking and strategizing because we wanted to get a car and we didn't have enough money, but planning and strategizing for weeks, trying to find enough money so we could buy this new car. Um, And they had this missions. They went and took missions pledges as as we all do. And very similar to you, I didn't hear God's voice, but just the impression was God's just said to me, you know, you've done all this strategizing to figure out how to get a new car, but you, when it comes to missions giving, you don't have the faith to trust in me. You just said, we don't have the money. We can't do it. And um, it was really a challenge as a young family for us just to say, do we trust God even when I don't understand? And I think that's one of the challenges I've run into my life is I trust God in things if I can logically understand it, you know what I mean? Um, But trusting him in things that I don't understand and so does it, do I really trust him? I don't know. I don't know. I, I could go down a rabbit trail on that one, but it's, it's no, just no, something that I, God's been I, dealing I with me we, about. I think you're onto something though. I really do, Aaron, because that whole leaning on our own understanding piece yeah. of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, that was also residue from the fall you know, eating from the wrong tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, trying to figure it out, trying to strategize. Um, And, you know, the Lord's just, when I'm trying to do that or when I'm walking in fear or, or when I'm, you know, I'm limiting God by my own limitations. He's, he just keeps reminding me, Joanna, you're eating from the wrong tree. You're eating from the wrong tree. And just like distrust got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden. It's trust. I believe that's the key back to that garden and that intimate friendship with Him that we long for with God. But also, we come back under the umbrella of His provision and His protection and care. But if I keep trying to lean on my own understanding and make it happen on my own, it's it's like I, I leave God out of the equation. And, yeah. and as a result, I kind of leave Him out of my life. Yeah, it's good. That's good. I just want to pause for 30 seconds in the middle of this episode to share some exciting news about the book I published, A Caring Life, How Each of Us Can Change the Trajectory of an Uncaring World. It's available now on Amazon and audiobook, Kindle, and print form. And the book helps us recognize that our world is moving in a direction of an uncaring life and helps us reorient towards a caring life where those 
that are in our life feel valued, they feel known, they know that they belong, and they matter. The book, as I said, is, is a valuable resource and I believe will help change the trajectory of an uncaring world. It's available now on Amazon. You talk also about four anchors of the heart, and I think that's a good kind of as we move in is um, this idea of of our own not leaning on our own understanding, but anchoring our heart in God. And um, you talk about four anchors of the heart. God is good. God loves you. You belong to him and God takes care of his own. Um, how, how do these help us embrace trust? Yeah. Well, interestingly, it took about six months of those three years. <laughs> <laughs> boil it down to these four unshakable truths because again you know we got we've got so many things that come against it you know the the problem of of evil and suffering and all those objections that we have to God. And I was just like, Lord, what is, what is the bedrock? What are those pillars that we can build our lives on? And that first one seems so simplistic. God is good. It's such a tame word, but when you let it really blow up to its proper proportions, it encapsulates God's character, his goodness, his faithfulness, his power, his wisdom, God is good. Even when bad things happen, even when life is hard, God is good. And if we don't come back to that anchor point, if we don't drill down to that bedrock truth, we're going to be we're going to be building our lives on the shifting sand of circumstance. And when the storms come and the rains fall down and the floods rise up, our house is going to waver if not crash. And so God is good. Second one, he loves us. You know, to be honest, I was a 29-year-old pastor's wife before God's love got from my head to my heart. I knew mm. it intellectually. I mm. could tell everybody else that Jesus loved them, but I couldn't look in the mirror and convince myself. And so we've got to come back again, not to what we feel, not to what we deserve, but to who God is. And He loves us. The third one is is just kind of that linchpin the really the only one of the three that of the four that we're responsible for, and that is I belong to him. And and it brings us back to that issue of surrender, which is the first half of the book, letting go. Yeah. Because until we come to the end of ourselves, I, I feel like we're just kind of got God on parole. We're doing our thing, we bring him in for consultations, but but we're really the ones in the driver's seat. And so, but when we go all in with him, when we're like, I surrender all. You know, there's he, we're not doing these deals with God that if you do this, I'll do that. No, it's all in total surrender. This beautiful thing happens. We're no longer responsible for ourselves, right? I mean, Paul writes, you know, he lists all the hardships that he went through, you know, all this, all the many, many things, shipwreck and beatings and left for dead. And he says, but none of these things move me because I did not, because I do not count my life dear to me. Hmm. And here's the deal, until I fully surrender, oh, and still, even when I fully surrender, my life's pretty dear. My life's pretty dear. And all the objections come up, up when things are hard. But I'm just finding when I can come back and reiterate, mm -mm, nope, mm, I belong to Jesus. I belong to you, Lord. Then I can rest that he is good. He loves me. I belong to him. And then that beautiful promise, the last one, he takes care of his own. But again, like we were talking, if, if we're holding God at a distance, if we're like, you got this part, God, but I got that part, 
then we're really not tapping into to all that he wants to be to us and provide for us. Good. You know, I interviewed Ron Keast on the podcast um, uh, probably back in the spring, and he talked about the difference in confidence and trust. And the mm-hmm. idea of trust is, is when I, it's not that somebody has the capacity or the abilities, but that they have my best interest at mind, at, at heart. Yes. And he said, that's the, he said, that's the, when we move from confidence in something to trust is knowing. And I think that what you're saying is that we're trusting that, that God, is, he has my best interest at heart, even if I don't understand. He is good and he does take care of his own and resting in that. I think the challenge for me is I, my actions don't demonstrate that I really understand that, that it's really deep, deep down in my heart at all times. I think there's seasons, but then there's other seasons I go right. through that it, it comes out that uh, I'm not there yet. So I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I totally agree. I mean, just last week (laughs) in my little crisis of faith, you know, but here's the beautiful thing. Rather than letting those moments beat us up, bad me, terrible me, why don't I trust God like I should? um, What if we, instead of letting it trigger panic or self-condemnation, what if we just allowed that moment to trigger trust instead, you know, to where we go, okay, wait a minute. I'm not alone. This isn't all up to me. You know, I don't have to freak out. I'm I'm so good at pre-freaking. <laughs> like I am, I never imagine the best case scenario. It's always the worst. Yeah. But if I can interrupt that fear spiral with just four little words, Lord, I trust you. And I have to say them out loud. Um, it just there's something powerful. It just brings me back to center. It brings God into the equation. I'm acknowledge him acknowledging him right here, right now in all of my ways. And I'm not alone anymore and I don't yeah. have to figure it out. So I don't think he says, I don't think he's as disappointed and frustrated with our lack of belief as we are sometimes. And here's what the enemy loves to do. You know, what does he do? He uses that lack of belief to, to push us into condemnation rather than just push our heart back to God. So I'm just tired of cooperating with the enemy and my flesh um, just pointing out how bad I am rather than just running to how good God is. That's good. Good, good word. You talk about laying down fig leaves um, and you share that we humans have become expert at covering our inadequacies. Could you unpack how this impacts maybe life and ministry and this, this theme of trust? Yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of us, you know, even though maybe we started out with a pure motive for ministry, you know, I, I always say the flesh, the the call is fancy food for the flesh, hmm. you know, and it, you can start with a pure, but yeah. the up in it, need for affirmation, need for, you know, numbers, all of those things, because it kind of becomes a fig leaf. You know, I, we went through a season. I, ha- I have so many stories uh, just those trust um, intersections where where we had to make some decisions to trust God. Uh, and one of them was being asked to leave by part of our board in a mm. church. On our 10th anniversary, they sent us to Hawaii. On our 15th anniversary, they asked for our resignation. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, and, you know, wondering, I'd always wondered, you know, will I be okay if that if that fig leaf or 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 that label of pastor's wife ministry person is taken away and it was so beautiful to find out i'm okay 
Yeah. I'm okay. I don't have to have a position. Yeah. We don't have to have a following in order. And I think that that's one of the big things in the world we live in today, you know, in social media and online, you know, boy, we can put on, we can pile on the fig leaves. Sure. You know, none of us really like take the fig leaf away and say, here's where I failed. Here's where we're not doing so great. You know, no, it's look at the numbers, yeah. look at the souls saved, look yeah. at the, this and that. And so um, I think every one of us perhaps have our own fig leaves. I think it's those props, you know, to prop up our worth. It's uh, those even, you know, even I think our comparison and, and, thinking again in our desire for success to imitate another ministry or to in, imitate another influencer, all of those things can become um, fig leaves rather than going to the Lord for our identity. And uh, honestly, I didn't say it in the book, but even religion can be yeah. a fig leaf. And we never really get real with the Lord or with others. Good. And I think as missionaries, um, which a large portion of the people that listen to this podcast are missionaries, our newsletters can become fig leaves because you're writing <laughs> what you want to share, but you're not putting in the newsletter, hey, I, these are my struggles and all those things. But sometimes you can you can hold on to those and kind of believe that, yes, that this, this newsletter is what every day of my life looks like, um, even though you know yeah. it's not true. But churches and those you send those newsletters somehow mm -hmm. in their mind, they think, oh, this is what every day looks like. And we hold on to those uh, fig leaves. So anyway, that's when I was reading. That was the thing that came to mind was newsletters mm. and, um, yeah, um, perceptions that maybe I'm portraying that aren't right. necessarily my everyday mm -hmm. life. Yeah, I agree. Well, even, you know, as pastors or, or teachers, sometimes, you know, we've all heard it You because you talked about it you presume you have, you know, you've apprehended yeah. that. And yeah. so we we're so about ministry. We never really give God access to our inner heart and let him work on us. Yeah, it's good. And so that's that idea of how do we discover our fig leaves? You know, we've talked about them. There's some practical steps that we can go to see those and figure those out. Or what have you learned about that? Well, again, I, you know, no one's better at knowing our heart than God. You know, and so even just lately, I've been realizing that there's a fault line in me that the enemy keeps just leveraging. You know, I really believe that he watches us from childhood and he sees those fault lines, those weaknesses, those places that he can leverage to get us off course. And, and so I've just really been asking the Holy Spirit, would you show me what the root is? What's what's really down there? What's the fear? What's the fear that I'm, what's the lie I'm believing? And especially I think it's important to ask ourselves, what's the lie I'm believing about God? You know, oh, what good. am I believing about Him that is causing me to react in anger or react in fear or hold on to that grudge because we really believe that person has, has ruined our lives. And so, um, I, again, I just think asking the Holy Spirit, would you reveal what is standing in the way? And, and I think it's so important, you know, and it's not about what's standing in the way of being more successful. It's not what's standing in the way of being more successful in ministry. It's like, Lord, what's standing in the way between you and me? And, and I think so often in ministry, we get so horizontally focused, we never really let God 
go down to those core issues. What's that insecurity? What is that self-loathing about? What's really going down in the depths? And then inviting the Lord there and, and just knowing that He only reveals so He can heal. And so if He does point at something, then we just partner with His grace and we just yeah. give Him permission to do the soul surgery and, and show us what we need to do to break that cycle or that lie. Good, 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 good. Uh, expectations. I mean, I, I had multiple favorite chapters in the book, but I, I do think this was probably my favorite of my favoriteest uh, of all of the favorite chapters. This was my favorite one was the expectations. Um, and you mentioned about releasing ourselves other and God from our expectations. And how does how does releasing others from our expectations, how does that help us grow and embrace trust um, is the title of the book uh, it challenges us to do? Yeah. Well, for me, um, for me, it, expectations nearly destroyed our marriage. Uh, and I and I write about that. How again, my need to be successful in ministry, I I put all of these expectations. If you know, I I never have ever been been tempted to have an affair with another man, yeah. but I've had my dream man. I've had mm. my dream man of if John was this, if John was that, then we could mm. be that. Mm. And you know, God just called me to let lay down my expectations. And he actually said, Joanna, get your hands off my man. Get your hands off my man. The things that you're trying to change about John are some of the things I love most about him. Instead of praying, Lord, change him, pray, Mm -hmm. Lord, change me. And um, as I began to relinquish, and I have a story in in the book about literally surrendering that list to the flames but having it bounce off, like <laughs> it was this raging bonfire. <laughs> yeah. And when I throwed it, it bounced off. And I, and I, so I just shoved it into the fire and it still wouldn't burn. And I realized at that moment, those expectations had become a stronghold in my heart. This wasn't mm. about me and my husband. This yeah. was about the enemy leveraging that discontentment to um, to destroy my love and to take away my peace. And so, it, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but oh my goodness, it has transformed our marriage. I say, you know, we've been married 41 years and 33 of them incredibly happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, but I think, I think, especially in ministry, you know, we have these, if, you know, we assign, for me, sometimes delegation is difficult because it's just easier to do it myself because they don't do it like me. And so sometimes, you know, relinquishing control and relinquishing, setting the right expectations and helping those people to fulfill them, but also being willing to to let them discover and maybe allow the Holy Spirit to work through them in a different way than He might have done it through us. Wow. Yeah. It's good. Like I said, I I love love that chapter. Love the discussion. And um, and like I said, uh, as I was revisiting the book again today, um, that was one the chapter one of the chapters I went back to. Love to know, Aaron. Yeah, go ahead. I, I would love to know, Aaron, what spoke to you? What expectation did the Lord put His finger on for you? You know, I think it's honestly is my expectations of Him. And um, that was probably mm-hmm. the one that I think I've been grappling with. Um, I'm in a season of life where. Um, trying to dream again. Um, and so I, I think it's my expectations uh, of him and, um, of him to place dreams in my heart that I think I've pre-decided. And, um, and I think that's why I keep coming back to, 
And the other thing is, I, I think a lot of those, and it, it challenged me to think about what my unconscious expectations. So I don't think they were things that I was necessarily thinking about and right. wanted to happen, but just when events did not unfold the way I thought they would unfold, um, those expectations came up. And um, just a season of trying to um, examine those unconscious expectations and then yeah. and placing those on God and be honestly creating a sense of anger or frustration at him when situations right. didn't unfold the way I thought they would. So I don't know if that answered yeah. your question, but that's that's kind of no, that's so good. A friend of mine, a friend of mine um, was talking to a mentor and she said expectations. We put a bullseye on something. And when it's not fulfilled, then we get disappointed. But she said, you know, expectations really are premeditated resentments. Wow. And wow, I've never heard yeah, that. That's, that's I haven't either. And it was so powerful because isn't that true? One of the chapters in the book is living beyond your dreams. And we look at the story of Joseph and how he navigated that long period between the promise and the fulfillment but what's so beautiful about his story, and I really believe somewhere, first of all, he hammered out forgiveness towards his brothers. But second, I think he let, laid, it's like, I feel like he gave that dream back to God. Hmm. Because our dream giver is our dream fulfiller. And sometimes we think oh, when he cute. gives us a dream, that's up to us. But he prospered. That's the thing I've been praying. Because I, I have had a lot of dreams that haven't come true. You know, we are not the mega church pastors I thought we were going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's better. I, I can honestly say my boundaries have fallen in delightful places. And can I prosper right where he's placed me in that small realm of influence and, and just be faithful there? The Bible says God was with Joseph and he prospered. And and I think that's the one of the beautiful things that happen when we when we relinquish our expectations and even our dreams and not giving up, but giving over and saying, okay, God, you have your way. But again, I'm kind of in the same boat of like, but Lord, teach me how to dream again. Because sometimes <laughs> that disappointment yeah. can shut us down. Yeah. It's, uh, and I think in missions, that's, it's a, it's a challenge because you have expect, if you've never been to the field, you have expectations of how it's going to go, how it's going to work. You itinerate, you go around speaking churches, you talk to people, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what the ministry I'm going to be involved in. These are the people that I'm going to, whatever you're going to do. And then you get there and it, man, it, a lot of time now there might be a certain small percentage, but for me, I can tell you, it wasn't anything. My expectations, none yeah. of it, it wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. And it just was a real season that um, God had to walk me through. Um, and obviously I'm still walking through it 22 years later. So as you yeah. go deeper, when you go deeper in it, um, it's kind of a, that you just keep peeling off the layers and um, I'm in a season again of peeling off some of those layers. So. Yeah. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. I mean, just like missions, try being a, an author. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you, yeah. and, and, and I've tried to like, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to get caught up in numbers. I don't, you know, I just want to be faithful. I just yeah. want this to be about you. Yeah. And, and, and for a lot of the time it is. Yeah. But, then, but then the numbers don't come. And, yeah. and you don't get all of that affirmation that you were yeah. expecting or hoping for and how to navigate, how to navigate the disappointment. And it really does come back to where I just have to say, Lord, I trust you. I gave this book to you. <laughs> I just need to leave it in your hands. Right. Yeah. 
That's true. It's true. My temptation, though, is is to hand it to him and then a little bit of time kind of pull it back. And oh, so sure. that's, that, that is the, that's well, the temptation. And the, and the tricky thing is, is that he has given it to us to steward. So that's what I've been trying to figure out. Lord, how do I steward what you've given me without striving or believing mm. the lie that I have to make it happen? That's good. And so I really think I've come to believe that God isn't quite the either or God I thought he was. There's yeah. sort of the both and. <laughs> yes, Joanna, trust me, but I want you to do something too. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good. That's good. I got one more question for you, um, and then we'll, we'll ask you to pray for us. Um, an unoffendable heart. What are some myths yeah. we believe about forgiveness, and um, how can we become good forgivers? Well, I think there, there are several myths. I, I list four in the book. The first one is I can't forgive until I feel like forgiving. Hmm. I'm really glad that God didn't, you know, Jesus didn't <laughs> wait to feel like he was forgiving. The myth number two, and I've heard a lot of Christians um, point to this one. They say, I can't forgive until the person apologizes. And there hmm. is one portion of scripture in, hmm. in the Bible that does kind of point to that, that, you know, when they ask for forgiveness, you should forgive. But again, had Jesus waited until we asked for forgiveness, we yeah, wouldn't true. experience the forgiveness he free, freely gave. True. The myth number three, and I think this is a big one, we can't forgive because we believe that that saying that what the other person did doesn't matter. And hmm. as Christians, sometimes we're quick to do that. Like we just push it down. We say, oh, it's okay. It's not a big deal. So, or we fixate on it and we become so offended that we can't move past it. And yeah. And I think... I think we need to look clear-eyed and say, wow, that really hurt. That wasn't right. Yeah. But God, I'm going to give that pain to you and trust that you're the righteous judge. You know how to set things right. But I think number four is I can't forgive because someone needs to make them pay. And sometimes mm. I think we secretly, <laughs> we're like, yeah, I know you, God. You're merciful. <laughs> uh, kind of like Jonah. Jonah another, did, there's yeah. another thing. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say kind of like Jonah. He, he, did, he, he knew yeah. God wanted to provide forgiveness. forgiveness so. Exactly. Exactly. If I go preach to them, you know, you'll have mercy. But there's <laughs> another one. And I think this is a, a big hindrance to forgiveness. And it's that we secretly believe that what that person did ruined our lives. We really don't mm. believe that God can redeem it, that he mm. can turn what the enemy meant for evil and work for good. And so we feel obligated to hold on to that offense wow, because our life is over. And it's yeah. the only thing we have is to be yeah. angry. That's good. That's good. Joanna, how can people find your book? How can they follow you on social media? Yeah, if they just want, I'll put I'll put it on the show links, but do you want to share anything about that? And then I'm going to ask you to yeah. pray first. Oh, you bet. Well, Instagram, but for books and Joanna Weaver books. out more about the book and the other books that I have. But yeah, I would love to connect. I love missionaries. I just want to say how much I appreciate everything you guys are doing. You are so critical to the body of Christ. And I know sometimes it has to be lonely, but I want you to know you are loved and you are deeply, deeply appreciated, not just by us, but by God. But there's another thing that I think really affects um, our ability to forgive. And that's that belief that that person or that situation has ruined our lives. 
that there's no redemption, that it's over. And so we feel obligated to hold on to the hurt. And I don't know that we consciously think that, but that can get seated in our heart. And I know John and I, we really had to hammer out forgiveness because mismanaged hurt, uh, and I was not able to track down the source of this, but it said that mismanaged hurt is the number one reason people are leaving the ministry. Wow! And so it's Mm. not just only about our well-being. It's about the well-being of our ministry. We've got, we've got to get on our face before God and allow Him to help us to forgive. And then, you know, just ask Him for that tough hide and a tender heart, yeah, right? That's it. Yeah. Where those things, those arrows, those wounds, yeah. just they don't have the force and the infiltration that they might have yeah. had before. And I just love that the Lord wants to help us do that. Amen. Amen. Joanna, will you pray for us? I would love to. Oh, Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you so much for each and every person who is listening to this podcast, Lord. I'm so grateful for Aaron's ministry, for just his desire to encourage these frontline workers. And God, I just pray that you would meet each one of us right where we are. You know that fault lying down our soul. You know that thing that the enemy loves to leverage and use against us. Oh, it might be a different scenario, but it's the same snare. And it pulls us back to despair, disappointment, anger, all the frustration, self-hatred, all those things that the enemy wants to keep us paralyzed in. Lord, I just ask that you would give us that grace, grace, that grace Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. And Lord, I know there are some listening right here now that, Lord, they are in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the hardest battle they've ever been in. And they're so overwhelmed, Lord, and they don't know where to turn. And I just pray, God, even today, that they would interrupt that fear spiral and just that torment of the enemy with just those words, I trust you, Lord, and that, God, you would intersect their lives with your mercy and your presence, and that you would hold them, God. Lord, I think of that promise in your word that when we go through difficult, when we go through deep waters, you will be with us. When we go through deep rivers, you will be there. And God, that the fire will not burn us. We will not be consumed. And so, Lord, we just put our hope in you today. Help us again to trust you more and more and more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.